It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. I'm at the Governor's Global Summit in Las Vegas at the Plaza Hotel and Casino, and my guest is one of the keynote speakers, Andy Schoen. He's co-founder and CEO of Speaker, that's S-P-K-R, an audio platform that is modernizing the way we interact with, share, and listen to audio content. And he has a fascinating background as well, so we're going to talk about his past, present, and future. And for information about the Governor's Global Summit, go to governorssummit.org at travelnevada.com, and you can follow Andy Schoen. Go to speaker.com. That's the website, but you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Schoen. That's spelled S-C-H-U-O-N. That's a very unusual name. What's the background? Yeah, it's German. I believe that it was possible that when my uh, my forefathers came over <laughs> uh, to uh, to the U.S. from Germany, I think there may have been an umlaut in there somewhere that got. They're like, well, we're just going to call that a U now, you know. But uh, most people pronounce it Schuon when they see it because the uh, U comes before the O, and you would think it would be O. U-N instead of U-O-N. Well, also, too, Wayne Newton made it popular by Danke schon. Yeah, right. And that is a and that is pronounced generally schon. Um, and there are more sh- Neil Schoen from Journey, for example, is spelled that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so anyway, there aren't that many in this in this group. And it could have just been a, an error at Ellis Island or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit about what you discussed at your keynote. But sure. before that, just your fascinating background. You grew up in Reno. You got into radio, which, of course, is one of my favorite things. You got into radio. Same here. Yeah. And you uh, entered... You send in a postcard, as I understand right. it, right. and all of a sudden you're on radio, but you really don't hit big until you get to L.A. So they're by way of San Antonio. So give us just the shorthand yeah. version of all of that. Shorthand version was yes, I filled out a postcard, sent it into KOZZ in Reno that had an amateur hour on Sunday nights. My postcard was chosen. I only put one card in. I didn't game the system and put in a bunch, just one, and I was called about three weeks later. I guess there wasn't well, why, why a huge Why didn't you demand. game the system? I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but I just put my postcard in, um, and maybe it said one postcard per person or something, and I was following <laughs> the rules. I was a good kid. Let's go with that. Um, and, so, and so from there, uh, I did have an unofficial internship at that station over the summer. It was during summer vacation before my, uh, it was in my junior year, I think, of high school. And eventually someone didn't show up and I got on the air and then I had a regular shift and then I had, I had a couple of regular shifts. I ended up becoming the morning guy and did, you know, pretty. You do have that radio voice. No, that's good. It's cultivated. I don't know if it's so you, you don't get into radio because you have the voice. I think we, I think you learn how to use it over time. Exactly. I think that's true. And I didn't realize that till later in life. Uh, So, so then from Reno, I went to Seattle. I went to San Antonio. I went to Denver. I went to Los Angeles and then I went to uh, New York and MTV. Yeah. It's an amazing adventure, and along the way, you were responsible for a duo in Radioland, a duo that has now retired. Yeah, well, uh, one, of, one of the guys did. You know, Kevin and Bean, uh, who I hired through... Well, um, I, well I mentioned, let, let me be technical. Yeah. The duo retired, the duo not has individual. The duo has retired. Yeah. Bean of Kevin and Bean is moving to, uh, to London with his wife, Donna. They did their last show together on November 7th. And on the 8th, we inducted them into the Radio Hall of Fame alongside Ryan Seacrest and John Tesh and Dr. Ruth Westheimer and Jim Rome uh, and a couple of others. Uh, Hollywood Hamilton, who also is from Nevada, from uh, 1230 KCBN back in the days. 
It's amazing because in your keynote, you were talking about your radio experiences. And one of the things you said, because I was listening, was, and I laughed at it because I'm thinking the group here may not understand the technical aspects of it. But when you said the signal is stronger at night, I immediately thought of AM radio sure. and the ionosphere as That's opposed right. to when it, we went to FM radio. Or It was really yeah. both after a while FM finally took over. DXing, we yes, call it. Yes, yeah. Right. The atmospheric conditions are different in it. And the AM waves kind of go in, they, they kind of go in waves where an FM signal is more of a straight line. And so the nighttime doesn't affect it so much. We had early FM from San Francisco uh, on cable in Reno. Uh, so we had a couple of stations, of a uh, prominent station in rock history, KSAN in San Francisco and KMEL. Those came in uh, when you hooked up the coaxial cable from your cable you know, system into the house onto the back of your stereo, you could get some of these FM stations. They were doing that. They were pulling them in. And then I got the, the compliment of AM stuff from uh, KFRC was my favorite, of course. So you always stayed in radio, but your, your, your message to the group was a couple of things. One was that music really affects culture and music can also drive tourism yeah that's the two general themes as part of your presentation sure which was well i had to weave that in there because i'm at a tourism exactly summit, right so, yeah, but I had we to... really know deep down you're more into radio and music than almost anything else yeah Fair I mean, enough. yeah and my friend carson daly who came from k-rock also and came to mtv to be the probably alongside matt pinfield who is here with me today one of the, if not the sort of most recognizable VJ ever. And now he's on the Today Show and hosts The Voice. Uh, but Carson once said not that long ago that um, entertainment, the entertainment business is what he does, but radio is who he is. And that's it's in kind your of, blood. That's in my blood. Yeah. 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 Since I was it's about 12. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit about your app in a while, but I want to kind of just lay a predicate and how this all ties into Las Vegas, not only because of the governor's global summit here in Las Vegas at the Plaza Hotel and Casino, but also, too, you grew up in Nevada. You consider it part of your DNA as well. Absolutely. And you know a lot of people in Las Vegas. How long have you been coming back to the state and to Las Vegas in particular over the yeah. years? A lot? Um, a lot. Uh, my, my mom and my sister still live in, the, in northern Nevada in the Reno area. So I get up there, not as often as I'd like to, because I really do love it, and Tahoe. And I, until recently, I hung up the cleats on my background music business. But for years, I was coming here more than a dozen times a year uh, for fun and for work, working with the uh, the hotel casinos that we provided music to, the Hard Rock and, and many others. Yeah, because everybody a lot of thinks fun. of mu background music, and I'll use that dreaded yeah. word, music. Yeah, and you were responsible for bringing you and others were responsible for bringing music to the fore. Right, and especially in a Las Vegas casino environment, which normally you don't think about. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about other things like the no mirrors and. Uh, Right. Clocks, right. And all that stuff. Yeah. But did you instigate that or did the casinos get hold of you and say, we want to do something? How did that work? Well, it started at the Hard Rock where we did something special with the music and we brought the volume level up, as I said. I used to, I, I, I don't know if I coined the term, but what I used to say was that there's background music and there's foreground music, which is just you're listening to the radio or you're at a club or something. And we were sort of middle ground. We were somewhere in between, you know? And it was where you, you were aware of the music and it was, imp it was improving your experience. But, you know, a lot of times background music's barely audible. You know? Oh, yeah. So it was different. Right. It was different. So from the hard rock, what would happen is, you know, as, as, as would the case would be with any business, people would start to leave. And a pit boss would go to another casino and be like, ah, the music's terrible here. Let's find that guy from the hard rock. And word sort of spread. And I, and I never uh, took out an ad. I never had a salesperson. 
But at one point, you know, we had, like I said, a couple of dozen casinos in Las Vegas that we were doing, you know, for them, their own custom music experience and in their restaurants. And we did a bunch of places on the strip that were individual restaurants and things too. So it just all came from word of mouth. Just out of curiosity, because my my one complaint about restaurants in general is the noise level and the music level is usually such that you can't have a relaxing evening and just have a conversation. Right. And I'm not blaming you. Andy, yeah. I'm not. But still, it just seems that there's a higher tension as a result of having all the music and all of the noise going on. It really depends. I mean, some experience. businesses get it right, and yeah. a lot of them don't. That's maybe for sure. that will be, in addition to your app, which we're going to talk about, maybe that's the next stage, is consulting with restaurants about keeping it at a reasonable level. <laughs> Could, and, be. Yeah. Could be, yeah. <laughs> taking it, Could be. Taking it into effect. I wonder what that pays. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, if they're even interested in it, but, you know. Right. Is there carpeting? Is there not carpeting? Right. Are they, it's the music bouncing off the walls, etc. Right. A lot of people don't know your background even further in the sense that there's the MTV years. Yeah. And there's the radio network years. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've got a lot of different and varied experiences in the general field of radio and music. Do you look back, not that you're 105, but do you look back so far on your career and, and wonder in wonderment about what you've done over the decades? If you look at the, my, my work history or resume, a lot of it's largely by accident. You know, what ended up happening was that the call I got one day from MTV hijacked an otherwise perfectly great radio career. <laughs> it really did. I would probably still be at K-Rock had I not gotten the call from MTV. Right. The guy that replaced me at K-Rock, Kevin Weatherly, in 1992... I was with Friday night in New York at the induction ceremony for his morning show, Kevin and Bean. He's still there. So when I left for MTV, Kevin got my job. He's still the program director of that station. So, and it was the best job in radio. So likely, had I not gotten a call from MTV, I would have had a 30-plus year career alongside Kevin and Bean on, uh, on K-Rock. There is something unusual about radio people, and I'd just like to get your validation on my theory. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I will occasionally, as you can see, non-sequentially, come back to radio. And I notice that radio people generally are great with radio, but they do not have a sense of the visual. Mm-hmm. And I've seen radio people host television shows or be guests on television shows. They don't know what to do with the camera. Right. They're, they're just secure with a microphone in front of them mm-hmm. if it's there. They're very it's, different. Like, they're, it's a very different breed. I mentioned that today, that listening and watching are very different. And the camera does a lot of the heavy lifting for storytelling, I, I find. It, actually, I think, I think audio is harder in a lot of ways. It is for stories, if you're writing stories, as opposed yeah. to just having a conversation yeah. as we are. Because yeah. this, is, this is, I try to make it as natural as possible. So I don't do a and I just talk to people and right. I'm interested in their background and what they have to say. And when we come back after our break, I want to get into this new venture you have. But just focusing for a moment on your, on your keynote speech, one of the things you talked about was, and it hit the point, I was aware of it, but you, you ratified it in a sense or verified my thinking on it, was the pop-up aspect. Mm-hmm. You talked about f- festivals as a, it's not just a great tourism push, but it's also a great moneymaker yeah. in most cases. If you do Pop-ups right. themselves. I mean, festivals themselves are pop-ups in a way. Right, they, they are. Come to town, You're absolutely they come to right. town, there's a lot of anticipation. I mean, right. it's great when a band comes to town or an artist you like comes to town, they play a venue that's a traditional venue. There's something special about, we took over this field and the whole city's different for four days and it comes in like a, like a tornado, right? And then it goes. Exactly. It's like it never exactly. happened. It's like but, a science fiction movie. But there's also just individual pop-up situations where yeah. you have an artist come in and 
you know, you're shopping for celery at Whole Foods and there they are performing. Yeah. I'm exaggerating. But yeah, still, no, all kinds of, I think pop-ups are, I mean, I don't know when, it's a trick that may wear out over time, but I know that pop-ups today are much more marketable than other things. They cut through the clutter of marketing messages. I remember when I was in radio years ago and, and record companies wanted to cut through the clutter and they wanted to, they wanted to make sure that I w- was aware of a song that they were promoting. And so they would, uh, instead of sending it in a regular mailer, they would FedEx it when FedEx was new. And when you got a FedEx back when FedEx was new, everything stopped. We got an overnight. We got a FedEx. And you'd open it and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a CD from, uh, from Winger, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, but that trick worked. Same with the fax machine. Remember? We got a fax. fax. Stop everything. A fax okay. just came in. Yeah. And then I always loved the fact that once they faxed it to you, they'd call you within 30 seconds of the fax. Did you get the fax? Yeah. yeah. Now they do it where they call you. Did you get my text? Did you get my email? I had an assistant who said, did you get my email? I said, if you sent it, it's usually they come in. It's how it works. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing about music that, that I've noticed is it doesn't really matter about the medium or the media, it endures and it prospers. And I'm going to, give, I'm going to go back farther than, or further than rock and roll. I'm going to go back to the Great American Songbook, which has been still performed to this day with new artists and new technology and stands the test of time. So I guess my larger philosophical question for you, because you were in the middle of the MTV generation and all this music, do you think the majority of music will stand the test of time or is it 10%, 20% of all the music that is produced, will it, be, will it be listened to 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now? It's, it's hard to say. We are witnessing now that bands like you know, Nirvana, you know, never mind, these albums are over 20 years old, and, uh, so, and they still sound really relevant and current. I'm not sure about a lot of pop music today. I mean, a lot of the music that that um, that we still listen to is from artists that really that really had careers that had large fan bases, individual songs. I mean, there's always one hit wonders and those things out there, but I guess it remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. What's going to be interesting to see is whether or not over the next ten or twenty years, if rock music is more like jazz and becomes much more of a of a, of a less interesting genre to people as hip-hop has become you know so dominant it feels like rock is it really has its challenges and i think that i have a daughter who's a who's a high school freshman who plays guitar and ukulele and and sings not many kids pick up instruments today i mean they're not a lot of kids aren't aren't wanting to be a big rock star you know they want to push buttons and instantly get really successful like calvin harris or you know uh, you know one of the one of the djs out there who doesn't they don't even know how to write music or, or play an instrument and so a lot of people want the easy way out. And they don't have the att- attention span. That's right. Either. That's so right. Let's take a break. My guest, Andy Schoen, is co-founder and CEO of Speaker. That's S-P-K-R. It's an audio platform that is modernizing the way we interact with, share, and listen to audio content. For everything about Andy Schoen, go to speaker, S-P-K-R.com, and you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Schoen, S-C-H-U-O-N, Andy Schoen. We'll be right back. We'll be back after the break. There you go. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a frustrated ex-DJ. It's good. <laughs> we'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Ma Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis. 
with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm at the Governor's Global Summit in Las Vegas at the Plaza Hotel and Casino. My guest, one of the keynote speakers, Andy Schoen. He's co-founder. Hey, wait a minute. I yes. thought I was the keynote speaker. Did there were something... two keynote speakers. Oh, man. That's not what I was told. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my guest is the keynote speaker, <laughs> okay, Andy good. Schoen. All right, good. <laughs> I can start again. It's okay. okay. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Andy Schoen, co-founder, was CEO. I the, was, I, was I a headliner or was I a co-headliner? I don't know. Okay. I'm not See, in charge. these are things I need to know. I'm not in charge. Okay. I, don't, it, I have all no right. power. So he is <laughs> co-founder and CEO of Keynote Speeches Incorporated. No, uh, <laughs> co-founder and CEO of Speaker, SPKR an audio platform that is modernizing the way we interact with, share, and listen to audio content. For information about the Governor's Global Summit, go to governorsummit.org and travelnevada.com, and you can get Andy. Go to his website, spkr.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Andy Schoen. And yes, I will spell it out again, S-C-H-U-O-N, because why? It's an unusual name. You can always have me do the heavy lifting there. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. S-C-H-U-O-N. Well, I, I try to get it right for my guests so they don't have to do all that stuff. Okay, I'm intrigued by speaker because okay. I want to talk about speaker. Sure. SPKR, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. I actually downloaded it after his presentation. He was the keynote speaker, I should uh-huh. point out. Yeah. The keynote the speaker. The keynote. And I downloaded it. I've not yet activated it. Okay. But it's downloaded. Thank you for the download. And, and I put the password in and I have it. I just haven't had a chance to go through it yet. Great. Tell us about speaker and what is unique, different, amazing about this new app. I was watching the fascination with podcasts and more and more people talking about them. Still far fewer people listen to them than, than do. And so I thought there was a lot of growth there. A lot of the focus is on people um, in, with my background making podcasts, making content. I thought I wanted to take a different approach. As much as I've made shows like that Kevin and Bean show we talked about, I'm more of a guy who builds brands and takes other people's content and connects it with audiences through strong brands, curation, editorial. That's a radio station. That's a TV network. That's a magazine. That's a website. You know, those are things that I love to do. I love to build a brand that has meaning for people, that has a strong point of view and, and, and presents content to them. So if I'm a consumer and I'm going to go to SPKR, yeah. I downloaded it and now yeah. I want it. How is it set up so that it, in essence, is its own, I'm going to use this term, it's overused, its own channel, so to speak? Yeah. Well, it is. It, it, it is. And that was the, the idea. I thought, isn't it interesting? Listening is very different than watching. All podcasting and audio apps are built like video on demand apps like Netflix or Hulu. And they, they start in silence, which, you know, is different than what we're used to in audio. Every choice you make to choose something, like even your program, if someone goes on to iHeart or another platform, they're going to make a decision to listen to your program with their eyes, not their ears. They're going to look at a small square icon with a logo. They're going to read a small description. They're going to see if how many star, stars you have and what kind of reviews. Uh, before they maybe even listen. We used to tune the dial and stop on something we liked. And if we didn't like it, we'd keep on going down the, down the lane. So 
uh, you know, so I wanted to create something that was like channel surfing that was pushing content out to you. So we'd fill your ears with things you could respond to. Because I feel like a lot of times, especially with podcasts, audiences don't know what they're looking for, even the, even if they think that they do. So I thought better for me to create a team and a great brand that just goes out and finds things that we like, like a radio station playlist. No one sits around in you know their favorite radio station and spends a lot of time saying, nah, I'm, I just don't, there's a lot of music this station isn't playing. What they do is they enjoy it or they find another one. And so I want them to enjoy speaker or find another one. And, and, and in our case, we're not promising to give you, uh, like many other apps, the ability to search and find what you're looking for. What we're doing is there's no search necessary on speaker. We're going to present you with a bunch of stuff. It gets smarter the more, you, the more you respond to it and act. And the whole idea was to take short form pieces of podcasts, like excerpts, like an excerpt of your program. If I'm saying something meaningful right now, we're that waiting. might show up. We're uh, waiting. Okay. I'll, I'll, hopefully we've got a little more time. <laughs> Clock's ticking. I feel the pressure is on. But if that were the case, then, then what would happen would, I would maybe hear that. I would have otherwise maybe not invested in the time to listen to your program. But I heard something I liked, like a single from an album. If a podcast is an album, a single is what works on radio during our busy day. Maybe if I'm exposed to Ira's program a couple of times over a week or two in little b pieces, I'm going to build some affinity for you, um, some familiarity with you. And then I might swipe up and go to the beginning or subscribe or listen to that whole episode. When you download the app for speaker, S-P-K-R, yeah. period, mm -hmm. as opposed to without the period. Right. When you I think do both that, work in the search, but a yeah, little dial pops up out of the phone, and I can turn the, the different programs on within the speaker app. Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you don't have. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm hallucinating. Maybe that's, I'm maybe sorry. that's in version 2.0. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. But the initial right. one. So yeah. if they go to speaker and they look at it, there's two things going on. When someone looks at their phone or their iPad, they are looking visually to get the right app that they want, and then they're also going to listen. So you're going to have to hit them from a visual standpoint, whether you organize it in a certain way visually so they can see what's curated, or the audio comes out in a curated way. Well, that's, what, that's what one of the things we thought about was speaker is kind of like an Instagram or a Twitter, but with audio instead of text or pictures. So it's like a feed. So it has all the familiarity and functionality of a social media feed, share, swipe, do all those things, move through the, the, the content. We knew when we built it, though, that we were building it for someone who was not able to look at their screen during that time. We're all trying to get uh, to basically spend as much, in, when we're not sleeping, as much time as possible looking or listening to things, cramming it into our heads. And now with the AirPod apocalypse that's upon us with wireless earbuds, we're always trying to fill them. We're like the nicotine for the Air, AirPod cigarette, okay? <laughs> so we're always there for you, always on, always pushing stuff out to you, right. which is great, you know? <laughs> I hope to be addictive. That's good for business in our case, and I think it's, it's, it's wonderfully healthy because we have a lot of great things to, to talk about there. But the idea really is that we have the opportunity to, uh, to shape a listening experience for, for people that way. And, but we know that it's in your pocket and it's in your ears. So assuming that, that's why we use hosts and, uh, you know, and we use text to voice. We use Siri as a bit of a sidekick in the early speaker and more hosts and things will come as we grow as a company. But the idea there is you can't see the hashtags and you can't see the, the attribution. So we have to do that with audio. And that's why it's kind of hosted and we sort of pod jockey it. Interesting. Yeah. What's the business model for it in terms of revenue? Will there be ads on it, or are you going to charge a subscription rate, or will it be both of those elements? Well, I think it can be both over time. The, the, at the beginning state, I mean, I had, a t I had a couple of, of cable networks that I launched that we didn't even hire a single salesperson until we got to a certain amount of homes in the U.S., 
because it just didn't pencil. You know, it didn't make sense. The cost, uh, the return on 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 the the cost of it just wasn't there. And that's the same thing with with speaker too. We can be opportunistic and look at early partnerships and things, but the main idea is get daily active users. All other podcast apps are occasional use. They're like coffee table books. They're like libraries. You know. And we're really focused on the way people listen, which is those are the two aspects of speaker. It's really discovery and um, and time. And we know that the most people available to listen the most times per day, it's a multi-session business audio is every day. It's during the day. And so we've got to create this feed. And in doing that, if we're successful and we get scale, then we can monetize it with advertising and sponsorships. And I think you'll see them in a way very much the way Instagram does it with um, in between, interstitially in between your posts I love or that like radio word. does. I love that word. Interstitially, yeah, is that a word? It I know is. interstitial it's, is. No, I know, it, it, but yes. I, I might yeah. have. If I made no, one I up love there, it. I, That's why I was complimenting yeah, you. Yeah, interstitial. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I like see, your way. <laughs> I like what you're doing, and you're you're getting it up and running, and then you will at some point it will be monetized. But initially, you realize you have to gather sure all these people yeah. together. So speaking of that, then in addition to talking with me and talking to the group at the summit, how are you getting word out about this unique app? Well, we've been really lucky in the uh, first two hours that we launched it. We, on November 7th, Apple had chosen us as one of the apps we love right now, which is very prestigious. So getting that kind of support from Apple is great. I mean, apps are not a new thing. And there's a lot of habit. The challenge for people within the app space is, I've got a great idea for an app. And then you realize that um, most people don't get past that first screen on their on their phone. And they've, you know, apps have become habit, Facebook and Instagram and Spotify and all those things. So to compete in a valley of giants is really challenging for anybody. We think that, you know, that we have to build our audience brick by brick. We're already very happy with with how we've come out so far. We've had um, strong social media support from creators and influencers and things who are in our friend base. I've got a, a lot of good friends out there. You do. Friends in high places. Um, and so that's been really helpful. But we realize that most likely the growth of speaker will come from strategic partnership with other media companies and things that can drive audience to us. Was your choice of the name for the app tied in with your radio history? It's interesting. My, 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 uh, one of my co-founders, Kevin Wall, uh, who also serves as chairman, he and I were having a lunch. That's how Speaker started. And we were talking about, I said, man, my parents gave me a clock radio, an AM clock radio hand-me-down when I was 12 years old one night, and I tuned in the world, and it changed my life. At that time, I was living in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest in a small lumberjack town, and I was able to, at night, listen to, to stations in Vancouver. I was able to listen to KFRC, Maybe KJR. XRB. I was able to listen all the way down to Wolfman Jack on Extra, on the Mighty 690 and all that. Mighty 690. XERB. That's right. Tijuana, Mexico. You got it. You got it. You got your radio fan like me. But I would listen to, from Port Angeles, Washington, where I grew up, you could hear you could hear KJR in Seattle. You could hear KFRC in San Francisco. You could hear KFI in Los Angeles. And you could hear um, KOA in Denver. Friday. You could hear KOA in Denver. You could hear KXL in Salt Lake City. You could hear um, LG73 in uh, Vancouver. And, and so I heard all those stations growing up that night. And then I was talking to Kevin, and he grew up in a house on the other side of the country. And uh, it was attached to a roller rink. His parents had a roller rink uh, called Roller Dome. And in that roller rink, it, you know, to lull himself to sleep at night, what he would do is he'd put a transistor radio under his pillow and he would tune in, you know, uh, CKLW, the big eight from uh, Windsor, Ontario and all those, you know, WLS and all those stations. So uh, he and I talked about our love for audio 
And uh, he came in one day with the idea for speaker, which we originally spelled S-P-E-A-K-E-R, but we got the trademark for S-P-K-R and for another time, the story of how we got S-P-K-R.com uh, and everything else. But um, I do, we did like the fact that S-P-K-R, we like the name speaker because it's both um, something that it, immediately that you would listen to, but also a place to be heard which we thought was good. It had kind of a dual meaning to us. And I did like the fact that it was like a call letter in a way, like NPR or PBS or NBC. And it also has that that feel of both radio and music. It does, yeah. Because you have to listen. Even if you're listening to talk radio, it's on a speaker. Right. And if you're listening to music at home, it's on a speaker. For sure. And music's an important part of speaker. We haven't done a lot with music yet, but you'll see us, you know, do more with music in the coming months. One last question before we go. What do you, how do you see the timeline? In other words, give yourself a year, two years, get it where you want it? Hey, listen, you know, when you're a startup, you uh, take it day by day, you know, but uh, we think that our approach to presenting this kind of content in a novel way, you know, non-music, largely podcasts, anything listenable, largely non-music things, is a new approach. We think it solves the time and discovery issues. We think it's a good product. And we think that um, it can rapidly help to accelerate the adoption of this kind of listening, a podcast. And if we're successful, then there's no looking back. Great way to leave it. Thanks. My guest has been Andy Schoen. He's co-founder and CEO of Speaker, S-P-K-R an audio platform that's modernizing the way we interact with, share, and listen to audio content. For everything about Andy, go to speaker.com, and you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy, yes, you can spell it this time. Andy, A-N-D-Y, S-C-H-U-O-N. Andy, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Ira. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Be my-